The Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes are in a tier of their own regarding Big Ten football. These are two elite programs, not just when encompassing the Big Ten, but also looking at the larger national scope. I think when you account for the ability to have sustained success, recruiting ability, developmental ability, game planning, resources, coaches, and current success, as in how good is the 2023 team and looking at the roster potential, I would say that Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Texas, and maybe a few other schools could contend, but I'd say solidly those five are in a tier of their own. And in order to be in that tier, in order to stay at the top, you always have to be innovating. You always have to be game planning, and you always have to be one, two, three, or preferably more steps ahead of everyone else because the minute you're caught slacking, you're going to fall behind and someone else is just going to pick up right in your place and move on. So I want to discuss the next 365 days over the next year, how can Michigan and Ohio State stay in their own unique tier and placement, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally as well. There are some things specific to Michigan, specific to Ohio State, and things that tie in to both. And we're going to be talking about that today. So before we begin, please like the video, please subscribe to the channel and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I release more Big Ten football content, whether it's specific to Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan or Ohio State in a separate video, or other Big Ten schools. I would love to see you on the channel. Please comment your thoughts down below as well on whether you think that Michigan and Ohio State for the foreseeable future, whether that's short-term, medium-term, long-term, whether you think they're going to stay at the top of the Big Ten, or do you think that Penn State or Oregon or Washington or USC or maybe a program that we just don't see right now as being even in the Tier 2 or Tier 3 can jump up to the top of the Big Ten. Let me know down in the comment section below. And lastly, if you want to support the channel and gain some access to some bonus content, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and also the link in the pinned comment. So Michigan and Ohio State, what's fascinating is that I included them in basically the same tier, despite the fact that Michigan has now won three in a row against Ohio State and Consequentially, they've won the Big Ten for three years in a row, and Ohio State has not won the Big Ten since 2020. That's about the only thing that's separating these two teams right now, is the fact that Michigan has flipped the script in the game. I mean, when you win three games in a row, and it's basically, it, of course, in a gross oversimplification, it's basically in the same way. Michigan was the more physical team in all three games. Ohio State, I think, this year closed the gap in terms of physicality and in terms of a schematic disadvantage. But Michigan, finally this season, I think overall has the higher ceiling. For the previous two seasons, 2021 and 2022, I think Ohio State had a much higher ceiling, but they just didn't have as good of coaching as Michigan did. 
I mean, Michigan also in 2021 and 2022 had full knowledge of Ohio State's play calls, and that's something that I have to mention sort of as a disclaimer. But I think that Michigan won those games, and they would have won those games with or without Connor Stallions. However, when looking at power rankings, this is the first season since 2016, 2023. This is the first year where Michigan is power rated ahead of Ohio State. Michigan in 2016 was power rated by 0.8 points ahead of the Buckeyes, according to ESPN's FPI. Michigan was, they had 27 FPI points. Ohio State had 26.8. Ohio State that season was fifth in efficiency. Michigan was third. Michigan had an 88.9 efficiency rating. Ohio State had an 85.2 efficiency rating. This season in 2023, Michigan is a 27.6 FPI value. Ohio State is a 27.5 FPI value. The Wolverines are first in efficiency with a 94.4 efficiency rating. Ohio State is third with an 89.6 efficiency rating. That's not necessarily relative to the next 365 days for both of these teams, but it was something that's interesting. And I still put these two teams in the same tier because they are very close. I'd rank Michigan ahead of Ohio State right now, and I think it's very significant. And it should also be concerning for both Ohio State fans, but also the staff and the players that Michigan right now is not just a team that is playing their better game week in and week out, but Michigan as a collective team, as an 85-man scholarship roster, as 12 coaches, assistant coaches, as a head coach, as a strength and conditioning program, is ahead. And I think the facts, the analytics, the data, the head-to-head win, and how the game has played itself out over the past three seasons, I think that all ties in. And I think that's a strong case of evidence for the fact that Michigan right now doesn't just have the better team on the field, but they have the better potential as a team. And right now they have the better program, I think, than Ohio State. But I place them in that same category because if Ohio State and Potentially, it's when Ohio State beats Michigan, because I think that with how much Michigan is going to lose after this season and how much Ohio State could return, there's a very good chance Ohio State wins next season. If and maybe when that happens, Ohio State immediately could flip that one and two placement, and they're back to being the Big Ten's best program. Ohio State, with the way that they recruit, and they're still good at developing players, I don't think they're as good as maybe I envisioned them to be or thought them to be in the preseason. I've been somewhat disappointed with how much talent they had this year and just with how the offense functioned and still with how the defensive line just has not been the same since 2019, really. It's been disappointing year after year. The Buckeyes are still an elite program, and Michigan is an elite program. And for what Ohio State lacks in terms of development or strength and conditioning, Michigan to a certain degree lacks in recruiting. Michigan is not going to sign a top 10 recruiting class this season. They at one point had the number one recruiting class for the 2024 cycle. Uh, That's all but gone. They're not even top 10. 
anymore. Ohio State, I think, will always recruit better than Michigan. That's one of the upsides of their program. And I think that Ryan Day and his staff are better recruiters than Jim Harbaugh and his staff. But I think Jim Harbaugh and his staff are better developers than Ryan Day's staff right now. So I don't know how much that relates to this video, but I think it's just important to mention that the trajectory of both of these programs isn't exactly the same. Michigan had beaten Ohio State for the two seasons previous to 2023 because they had insider access and advantage to Ohio State's play calls, though I don't think that's the most important reason. I think the biggest reason is they had a physicality advantage, a build advantage, and schematically they just matched up well. When you're a team that is good at generating explosive plays and you're physical and you're strong in the interior of the trenches and that style of football is matched up against an aggressive go-big-or-go-home mentality, you are going to smash that team more times than not, even if you don't have the superior talent roster, even if you are playing on the road. 2022, for example. This year, Michigan just beat Ohio State for the simple reason that Michigan is the better team. The schematic advantages were essentially neutered. Michigan did not have their sign-stealing wizard. Michigan didn't even have their head coach on the sidelines. And yet, because Michigan's staff is that elite, because they had experience and veteranacy, and also because I think now top to bottom they're deeper than Ohio State, at least this year, they won because they're straight up the better team from a power rankings and analytics point of view. Not because of any, like going back to Stallions or the schematic matchup advantages, not anything relating to that. Some things that both of these programs have in common, what they can do over the next year, is use the transfer portal and continue to develop at a high level, recruit at a high level, and I would say to play to their strengths, to be themselves, really. This is something that when I look at Ohio State under Ryan Day for the past two years, including this year, Ryan Day has been uncomfortable with Ohio State's identity, forcing the run when you don't need to force the run and when your strength is passing the football, or being too extreme in game planning and in approaching opponents, whether this season Ohio State erred on the side of extreme conservative conservatism defensively, pardon me, Last season, they aired on the sign of being extremely liberal with blitzes, which is just comedic gold because that allowed Michigan, who last year was better at explosive plays, to just open that gap wide open. And then Ohio State's defensive strategy this year, while it was better suited to stop Michigan than last year's defensive strategy, Michigan this season is a team that is the definition of conservative. This is the least explosive Michigan team since 2020, when Michigan was just absolutely awful. Michigan this year is more than content with averaging three or four yards per carry, milking clock, and being as boring as possible, and beating you. And a conservative defense to a certain degree, a defense that plays bend but don't break, plays right into that. Oh, you're going to give us yards? We'll take your yards, and we'll take time of possession with us, sort of thing. I think that what can benefit Ohio State, but what can also benefit Michigan, too, is stay true to who you are. For Michigan, 
keep being physical, keep running the football, keep playing with what I think is one of the more balanced defenses and what is a a defense that is aggressive but can also be more than content with being conservative and puts their identity in good special teams play as well. Always having good kickers, good punters. The return game this season was questionable at times, but it's improving. And sparingly using your wide receivers, but they're reliable when you need them. And also using your tight ends. Stay true to that. And stay true to developing and recruiting three stars and finding diamonds in the rough, but also find a way to get four stars and five stars. And for Ohio State, stay true to who you are. You recruit better than Michigan, so recruit better. And don't lose out prospects like Justin Scott to Miami. Justin Scott would be far better going to Ohio State than going to Miami. Something that both teams can do is improving their NIL collective pool to pay players to come to Columbus, to come to Ann Arbor. Circling back to Ohio State, what they can do, again, staying true to their identity, is don't be afraid of being unique in the Big Ten and not grounding and pounding like everyone else. The offense was never the problem in 2021 or 2022, outside of Ryan Day's play calling. The performance of the offensive players was never the problem. The scheme was never the problem. The game plan wasn't. The reactiveness of Day and his personal play calling in big games, well, that could be a problem. But I think you get an offensive coordinator or maybe Day finds a way to detach his own emotions from the play calling, which is hard but very doable. Day's a very capable man, capable head coach. I don't think that's a problem anymore. The defense was the problem in 21 and 22, and it wasn't a problem this season. The offense, in fact, did more to damage the game this season for Ohio State than the defense did. Argue it. McCord's two turnovers. He doesn't throw that first interception. Michigan likely doesn't get their first touchdown. You put C.J. Stroud in, and everything else is Sidorus Paribus and Constant, then Ohio State probably wins the game this season, and they're the number one seed playing Alabama in the Rose Bowl. So stay true to who you are. That will go a long way for both of these schools. Sorry if I rambled on a little bit there, but I think that's just an important point to hit home with. Michigan's future. I want to zoom in on the Michigan Wolverines. We'll then zoom in on the Buckeyes, and then we'll end this video. Winning the national championship this year, we're talking about Michigan-specific things. Maybe I'll delve into Ohio State just to relate, but we're talking about Michigan here specifically. Something they can do to improve their standing, to solidify their foundation and legacy, and to help their program in the long term to be at that elite level, you win the national championship this year. That's a must, in fact. A banner will help out in recruiting, a banner will help out donors say, oh, we can do this, take our money. A banner will help Jim Harbaugh weather anything that the NCAA throws at him. Same with the staff. A banner might even help the NCAA be more lenient on Michigan, as crazy as that sounds, because we know that the TV business loves a blue blood that draws viewership that wins it all. That's good for business. A banner helps. 
Michigan right now is maybe in 2024, they can still be in this cycle. But I think this season is the final season of really what has been a two-year cycle where Michigan has had the developed team, the roster depth, the coaching, and the veteranacy, and the the high-ceiling talent roster to win the national championship. Michigan could have won it all last year. The way that offensive line played, how the defense improved, and the explosiveness that you saw snippets of in the passing game, Michigan last year, while I would have favored Georgia to beat them more than five times out of ten, Michigan could have beaten Georgia last year. They could have gone 15-0 and won it all, but they didn't. And Georgia was the better team than Michigan last year. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But that doesn't mean they couldn't have won it all. Just like Ohio State, they could have won it all last season. They could have. In fact, there's a universe where they go 13-1. and And Michigan also goes 13-1. and And it's Ohio State who smashes the brakes off of TCU and then there's that debate of 13-1 and Ohio State who won it all, and they're number one, but Michigan beat them in their own home by 22 and then lost to TCU, and you never got that rematch, which would have been absolutely glorious. I was hoping we were going to get it this season, and from a preseason perspective, I was right to pick there would be a rematch, but there was less chaos this college football season than what ended up occurring. So Ohio State now is playing in the Cotton Bowl, and Michigan is playing in the Rose Bowl against Alabama with a chance to win that game and then beat either Texas or Washington if they beat Alabama to claim a national championship. A banner is a must. I cannot stress that enough. Michigan and Ohio State, for either of them to win a national championship, will boost their program. But I think for Michigan... Not having won a national title since 1997, and that was a co-national championship with Nebraska, it's still valid, but people use that to poke at Michigan winning an outright, uncontestable national championship this season would help, because the high school players will remember that, even with other coaches negatively recruiting Michigan with the whole sign-stealing controversy and investigation and scandal. They will remember Jim Harbaugh hoisting up the college football playoff national championship trophy. A banner will help. Michigan can win it all. Also, without having a top 10 talent roster, that will do a world of recruiting because you can use that to say we're the best developmental program in the country. And Michigan could be. If Michigan wins it all this season, and then they send a ton of players to the NFL draft and maybe have a one or two first-rounders or more, that will do wonders, in my mind, for Michigan, also from a confidence angle. The Wolverines, after this season concludes, regardless of what happens, will need to use the portal generously because this roster has a plurality of seniors. Mikey Sainer is still gone. Blake Corum gone. Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan, Drake Nugent, gone. Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, gone. Out of here. Likely Junior Colson, even though he could return next season, he's probably gone. Rod Moore, another example. He's not a senior, but he's probably gone. Braden McGregor, 
gone. Chris Jenkins, gone. There are going to be a ton of players, more than a handful, like a basket full of players if they were to be transformed into Lego figurines, a basket of them that are going to be taken in the NFL draft or that will graduate and run out of eligibility. Michigan will have to use the portal to fill in holes. Jay Sean Barnum, who entered the transfer portal from Maryland, he's been crystal balled to Michigan. And there's another player, a cornerback from Western Kentucky. I forget his name, but he had a fumble recovery for a touchdown and an interception this season. He had four interceptions last season. He's been crystal balled to commit to the Michigan Wolverines. And I think that Michigan, whether it's defensively, offensively, or for special teams, they need to be generous in using the portal. Michigan last year had a very underrated transfer portal class. They got in Drake Nugent, Miles Hinton, Ladarius Henderson, brought in Josiah Stewart, who's been a great contributor defensively this season. Josh Wallace has added depth to the secondary. And A.J. Barner, phenomenal tight end. And there are probably other players like Jack Tuttle, for example, that I'm forgetting. But Michigan used the transfer portal to their advantage last season. They need to do that, but probably get even more names to come in since they don't have the same amount of returning production. Michigan last year, or entering this season, was top five in returning production. It wouldn't shock me if they're outside of the top 100 entering 2024. So use the transfer portal. And last but certainly not least, keeping the coaching staff intact and making hires as needed will be important to keep the team together. Chris Partridge, he got fired due to destroying evidence, apparently relating to the sign-stealing scandal, so Michigan needs to go out and hire a linebacker's coach. Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter, they will be targeted for other jobs, for higher-tier jobs. I think that is going to happen even with the sign-stealing scandal. And Sharon Moore went 4-0 and won two top-10 games. Those wins are credited to Jim Harbaugh, but I also credit them to Sharon Moore. Why wouldn't you want him as a head coach? Jesse Minter has led two top five defenses in a row, and this defense might be the best in the nation. So there's a lot to like about Michigan's assistance and their coaching pool. So extending Jim Harbaugh, extending these assistants and coordinators, and some of them will probably leave. So making great hires after the fact, not just promoting from within, but making great external bombshell hires would be good. An example is, if Sharon Moore leaves, I want Brennan Marion, who has yet to be poached from UNLV, and, and he will, he'll be found, because I guarantee you that he wants a pay raise too, and he wants to show that his genius can work at the national level. If Michigan is an offensive coordinator position open, bring in Brennan Marion. Go outside of the box. Don't just promote from within. We do not need to become... Dabo Swinney's Clemson if we win the national championship, or even if we don't. We need to stay at this level of success and ascend, not descend. And the same goes for Ohio State, but we'll talk about them in a few seconds. So for Michigan, winning it all this season will be helpful. Using the portal generously to replace many seniors who are leaving will be critical, and keeping the coaching staff intact, whether it is through raises whether it is through other means, but again, 
money is really what matters in the sport of college football, whether we want that to be the case or not, and also making great hires if assistants do decide to leave Michigan. And I think that is inevitable for any successful program, is you will have assistants who will leave your school to take higher position jobs, like head coaching jobs, for example, or for position coaches, taking coordinator jobs at other schools if they don't think that they can climb the ladder in a good enough time frame. For Ohio State, for the Buckeyes, it's a different story because they can't win a national championship this season. And Ohio State doesn't have the same amount of seniors on their roster. They can and likely will return more production than Michigan entering 2024. I think a number one priority for the Buckeyes is return as many draft-eligible players as possible, and also win the Cotton Bowl with preferably a big-time performance by Devin Brown so that you know that even if you don't land a quarterback in the portal, that you have someone to work with, with talent. That is the best possible scenario. Because if Ohio State returns, and I'm going out on a limb here, I'm not saying this will happen, but imagine Best possible case scenario, Marvin Harrison Jr. comes back because he wants to kick Michigan's butt. Emeka Egbuka follows suit. Imagine that Travion Henderson comes back. That seems likely, given that Chip Trainum entered the transfer portal. Why would he leave if Henderson isn't coming back? Imagine JT Tuimolau returns. Same with Jack Sawyer. They want to boost their production so that they're solidified to be in the first round next season. And what if other players come back, like maybe Denzel Burke or Cade Stover. I don't know if Stover has another year of eligibility, but I'm pretty sure that he does. What if as many draft-eligible players as possible who have extra years of eligibility return? That's typically something we haven't seen from Ohio State. Ohio State has a lot of underclassmen who leave for the NFL the second that they're eligible. They have a lot of them. If they're going first round, second round, third round, especially in those top rounds, Ohio State will have talented underclassmen leave. I mean, they will literally leave. And to a certain degree, why shouldn't they? If you want to get paid immediately, don't want to risk a career injury that could mess up your draft stock, I understand that. But in the era of NIL, that can be different because now you can pay players to come back. They don't necessarily have the same incentive to leave as quickly as possible if they're a superstar, especially if you can find a way to pay them close to what they could make or maybe just even half of what they make in the NFL. You still get the college experience. You get to be the number one player on your team. In the NFL, you most likely certainly won't be, at least initially, and get to be with your head coach who you've formed a relationship with. I think that returning these stars would be monumental because if Ohio State were to return all of those players, and I think that's unlikely, but if somehow they did, that's a preseason number one team. That is a team that can go 12-0, and that can go, actually, correction. That's a team that could go 16-0 and and win it all in the 12-team playoff next season a team that could get a first-round bye, a team that could blow out every team they face in the regular season. That could That's a team that would have the ceiling, given correct quarterback play, 
in a defense that I'm going to presume plays at the same level. So some assumptions, likely an offensive line that also improves with Josh Schreier and Josh Simmons returning, along with center Carson Hinsman, and potentially one of the guards. Matthew Jones doesn't have any eligibility left, but Donovan Jackson does. Maybe he is paid to return. That's a team that would have the potential to be one of the greatest teams of all time if they played to their ceiling. So winning the Cotton Bowl, that gives Ryan Day a 12-1 season, which if Michigan wins the national championship, I know Ohio State fans would be hard-pressed, but I would say to win all of your games but one, and that loss was by less than a touchdown, and to win a New Year's Six Bowl, it's not exactly a successful season, but you can't, it would be challenging to call that season a gross, unacceptable failure. If Michigan goes 15-0, and and let's say they beat Alabama and whoever they play in the national championship game by more than they beat Ohio State, you could still call the season a failure because it is. I said this entering the game this season, win, win or lose, the season really is, is going to be looked back back upon as starting in this scheme because both Michigan and Ohio State were supposed to beat Penn State. They were supposed to beat everyone on their schedule. And the game is special for that reason. This was the game where people were actually split on who was going to win. And you win in the game, that starts a trek toward likely a national championship appearance or quest to win it all. So for Ohio State to not win the game this season, it did make the season a failure. But the point that I'm trying to make is you go 12-1 and and your only loss is to one of the few teams to ever go 15-0 and and you return everyone entering next season, then this season wasn't as much as a cataclysmic failure as it was another setback, which leads me to my one of my final points. Outside of the Buckeyes needing to use the portal, They need to make changes on their staff because 2024 is that's that's the battle to end all battles right there for Ryan Day. That is, I used this before in 2021, I think, or maybe 2022, the game to end all games. I think I used it in 2021 to reflect the fact that this is Jim Harbaugh's last chance in my mind. If he does not beat Ohio State in 2021, he never will. And at that point, you might as well kick him out. This is a game-to-end-all-games type situation in 2024. This season, I don't want to act like it wasn't a total failure for Ohio State to lose the game this season. It was. But you can rebound from total failure. You can... I mean, failure is not preferable, but you have to fail in order to get better. That's why... When people say failure is totally unacceptable, in certain circumstances, absolutely. But just as a life lesson, if failure is unacceptable, then everyone's fallen short. But that would be a topic not suited for this channel, as that would be kind of a philosophical question. For 2024, if Ohio State loses at home with more returning production, almost as a guarantee, and home field advantage, and now it's the fourth time in a row second time in a row without Connor Stallions that Michigan has beaten you, then I think the hot seat talk can actually start. 
I think right now talking about Ryan Day and how he needs to be fired, I think that's ridiculous. I think that's bogus. Did he fail in 21, 22, and 23 when he lost to Michigan? Yes. Was the season consequentially a failure? Yes, in 21 and this year especially. In 22, it was a little more complex than that because if you went 13-0 and and won it all but lost to Michigan, losing to Michigan would probably be viewed as less than a sin in exchange for a national championship win, but that loss in the Peach Bowl only soured that season. Yes, those seasons were failures, and Ryan Day's underachieved in those three seasons, but with failure, there's an opportunity to grow, there's opportunity for grace, and you can say that even though the season overall was a failure relative to Ohio State's expectations, that that's still a pretty darn good season and a pretty great year and still an elite team that achieved all of that. They just fell short of their potential. Well, for 2024, I think that is the year where you can no longer fall short of your potential. Or if you do, it can't be the same failure over and over again. If you want to use a baseball analogy, Ryan Day... He's struck out three times against Michigan, and for whatever reason, he has a fourth. And I think in 2024, you cannot afford to lose to Michigan. You can't. Ohio State needs to compete for the Big Ten at minimum, and a national championship too, because if you miss the 12-team playoff, that's a much worse sin than missing the 14-team playoff. Using the portal, out of necessity, but also out of depth and creating competition is important. I think Ohio State should pursue a quarterback in the transfer portal now that Kyle McCord is look, gone, not returning, and it'd be good to have Devin Brown, Lincoln Kineholz competing with someone else, whether that's Cameron Ward, unlikely, Will Howard, or someone, someone who can come in and give competition. But returning draft-eligible stars, as many of them as you can, I think that's more important. Same with winning the Cotton Bowl. Because if Ohio State returns all of those players, the use of the transfer portal is no longer as paramount. At least in my opinion. But winning the Cotton Bowl is also important. So those are diving into Michigan, diving into Ohio State, and looking at them overall. That's what I think both of these programs need to do in the next year or 365 days to stay at the top of their game, to stay at the top of the Big Ten, and to be national championship programs. Not just produce a national championship team here and there, but to be national championship contending programs. That's what these schools need to do in Michigan and Ohio State. Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to give a shout-out to Crash2488 for being this month's Heisman patron. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst for being an All-American patron of the month of December. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being All-Conference patrons of the month of December. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.